Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Intentionally Inclusive Podcast, a place for all of us to learn about and celebrate the things that make us unique and in the process to uncover the things that bring us together. As always, I am your host, Zach Walker, and with me today in the studio is Ashley George, our exciting new co-host. How are you today, Ashley? I am doing great and excited to be the new co-host. Yeah, it's really great to have you here. So our audience may recognize you because you were with us last month to talk about your role as the Early Talent and Diversity Program Manager. And we were so excited to have you and things went so well that we thought it would be great to add your voice to this as um, a regular contributor with me. Well, I am honored. <laughs> great. Well, we're, we're really <laughs> glad to have you here. So Ashley, you and I today are going to be talking about International Women's Day. Um, and for those of us in our audience, if you don't know, and you might not, International Women's Day is celebrated every year on March 8th, which actually happens to be the day we're recording this episode. And it's the uh, it celebrates basically the global social, economic, cultural, and po political achievements of women. Um, the day calls for action to advance gender equality, and it was born out of the women's rights movement uh, in industrializing countries starting in uh, the early 1900s. Um, in the United States, it was first celebrated in 1909 on the last Sunday in February. And then throughout the early 1900s, it gathered increasing support, uh, eventually became recognized by other countries around the world, and then the United Nations in 1975. But March 8th has actually been the fixed date for International Women's Day since 1914. This year's campaign theme is Break the Bias, which is intended to spotlight the individual and collective biases against women that fuel gender inequality. And the campaign asks that people show their support for this year's theme by posting selfies to social media with their arms crossed with the hashtag break the bias or hashtag uh, IWD2022. I have actually hopped online a little bit this morning to see if people were participating in this. And there's actually quite a bit of support out there. In addition to the crossed arms and the hashtags, uh, you may also see a lot of people wearing purple this year because purple is the color for International Women's Day and support for women worldwide. So Ashley, uh, I will confess that I had to uh, research a lot of that. I didn't know most of that offhand. Did you know any of that at all? I knew I knew it briefly, right? I knew the larger context, the larger story, but had no idea about the details, where things began, you know, who approved specific legislative things and, and all of that good stuff. So that's, that's, I think a trend that we're noticing when it comes to DEI in general, there's a lot of unlearning and a lot of learning. So yeah, yeah, that's where that comes in. Yeah. One of the reasons I always try to sneak in a little bit of history is, first of all, I'm, I've always been kind of a history buff. I was a history major in school um, and I got a very expensive degree that I don't ever get to use. So it's nice to to get a chance to, to pull that in a little bit. Um, but also I think that that often with DEI initiatives, it can be easy to forget that these are things that we have been living with as a, as a society for a very long time. So these are not new initiatives. These are not, um, you know, something that has just come up over the past few years. These are things that people have been struggling with, of course, for much longer than we've even been talking about them. But in the case of International Women's Day, um, this has been going on longer than even my grandparents yeah. were alive in, in most cases. So this is um, this is a, a long term long term initiative that we're working towards. For sure, I know. Um... Uh, just at the start of COVID and all of the racial um, tensions that we kind of became a lot more exposed to and cognizant of, there was this one saying that I thought was just super 
just valuable, um, which is give folks their roses while they're here, mm. right? So when we think about our modern-day trailblazers, like the folks that maybe we even work with, our colleagues um, who are working towards this work in whatever facet and way, it's just very important that we acknowledge that because, you know, sometimes it's saddening thinking of all the folks that we haven't acknowledged over time just due to voices being silenced, lack of coverage, and, and all of these things. So yeah. um, it's important that today for this specific international, um, you know, Women's Day, but just in general this month, we focus on really celebrating those who are doing the work today. I really love that saying, and I've never heard that before. So it's, it's give people their roses while they're here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Give them their roses while they're here. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I think it's it's very important to do that because, you know, you often hear about um, when people pass away, they're celebrated or people finally begin to to express their appreciation or recognize their value. And the ability to do that while people are still here, I think, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So let me ask you, why do you think it's so important that we have International Women's Day? Um, and why do you think it's so important that we have uh, Women's History Month, which is also occurring in March? Great question. Um, and I think this ties back to our last uh, episode um, where we talked a lot about intersectionality. Right. Um, you know, we talk about equality, yes. but I'm definitely more of an equity-minded individual. And when I say equity, I'm not referring to finances, <laughs> um, but specifically um, being cognizant of the fact that womanhood is complex. Right. You know, um, all inequality is not made equal. Right. right. So it's important that when we think about our women who are not necessarily present in the U.S., right, they live elsewhere. When we think about women with different social identities, it's important that we acknowledge, right, we create some some form of understanding and work harder in ensuring that none of our women are slipping through the cracks because there are a lot of varying, you know, identities that do lead to different experiences. Yeah, that's that's a really excellent point. And I know we talked about intersectionality last month and it's mm-hmm. definitely something we've we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast in terms of the importance of recognizing how those different identities combine to to really define a person's experience. Yeah. So what are some ways that um, you think we can do that better or that we can begin to do that if it's not something that that we're already doing? Well, um, you know, I always say starting off foundation with education. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we don't know until we know what we know, right? right. So, um, and, and a lot of the times it does take a lot of learning, but I always talk about unlearning as well because unfortunately I think about our childhood and our history classes and all of these things, um, the perception of history we've received doesn't necessarily mean it was completely relevant and applicable to all. Yes. Right. So when we think about unlearning, sometimes it also means we have to um, I don't want to say completely disregard what we learned, but Mm -hmm. think a little bit more deeper into what we've learned. So, you know, I remember back in college, um, I was hosting a program as like a student leader, a part of one of our clubs. And we were talking about the women's suffrage movement. And from what I knew, I mean, this women's suffrage movement was amazing. I mean, the, the trailblazers, the work that they did specifically around voting rights and all of these things. And a friend of mine uh, brought up the inequities during the women's suffrage movement, something I was completely unaware of. 
So when we think about women of color actually not receiving the right to vote until about four years later, yep. um, when we think about you know Native and Indigenous women, the fact that they weren't even considered citizens and and couldn't vote mm -hmm. at the time in which the the voting bill was passed. So just thinking about ways in which things were done, but has taken longer or created additional facets for other folks. So it's important to unlearn, but also learn. Just right. thinking about the, the I guess, thinking about things a bit deeper, which is harder, right? And and takes longer. Absolutely. But if anything, I think that also represents the, the suffrage aligned with it as well. Yeah, it's kind of identifying the gaps in our history and maybe probing a little bit and questioning what might be missing from the picture that we've been given. Yeah. Right. So I think we find oftentimes, especially in, in the U.S., our, our education about, say, civil rights movements is that when a movement achieves a major objective, so the Voting Rights Act or the legalization of same-sex marriage in the United States, just as examples, we tend to think, wow, okay, awesome. We're done. We got it. We did it. But then we maybe don't always see the people who don't immediately reap the benefits of those, um, of those achievements. Um, you know, as you mentioned, women of color not necessarily having the same rights to vote as white women after the, the uh, Voting Rights Act was passed. Um, in the LGBTQIA civil rights movement, we tend to overlook the experiences of trans women who were very instrumental in achieving some of those early early gains in, in our civil rights. Um, in the Stonewall the Stonewall Riots, for example, that was really largely driven by trans women. Mm -hmm. And that was the foundational movement of the gay rights movement in the United States. And um, sometimes that's that's overlooked. You know, we look look at women like Marsha P. Johnson, for example. And, um, you know, she was a trans woman, a woman who was part of the Stonewall movement. And um, really, it, it wasn't until fairly recently that her contributions were, were fully acknowledged. You talk about giving people their roses while they're around. Uh, she didn't get her roses until many, many years later. Yes. And I think that that is probably emblematic of um, a lot of experiences of, of a lot of women and especially women of color yeah. throughout our history. I, I completely agree. I didn't learn about Marsha probably until about three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, yeah, it's it's very important. Um, and this is what I mean, you know, going back to those roses, acknowledging those folks, you know, we can't undo history, obviously, but we can now do a little bit better yeah. when we think about the work that's being done. Even within these inner communities, it's also important that we talk about inequity, right? Yep. Because we think about um, International Women's Day and we think about Women's History Month. And um, the notion is to kind of push on those folks who don't identify as a woman to be allies and, and all of these things. But it's also important that women are allies to themselves. Um, you know, I think about going back to the women's suffrage movement. You know, these are this is a woman led movement. Right. So mm -hmm. how are you being an ally to other women that also don't look like you? Right. And have differing um, just levels of needs. Right. So it's just, of course, external communities. We need that allyship. But internally, we need to also be cognizant of these things and, and empower each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all subject to the biases that society kind of places upon us. So it's important for us to acknowledge how those have affected us internally as well. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I like that you mentioned the uh, women's suffrage movement because that's something that the Rochester area where you and I are both recording, we have very deep roots in mm -hmm. women's history, women's suffrage. Um, Susan B. Anthony was a Rochester native and did a lot of her very important work here. Um, the women's suffrage movement 
certainly wasn't born in Rochester, but definitely found a focus here in the United States at the same time as it was um, sort of growing up naturally around the rest of the world as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I love, it's something that I love about Rochester. I'm not a Rochester native, but when I moved here, something I loved to learn about. Susan B. Anthony, her grave is is here in Mount Hope Cemetery in Rochester. And I know that it's it's often a place, almost a place of pilgrimage for some people to come and visit anytime there is an important moment in women's history. You know, you, you might see on the news people visiting her gravesite and placing rocks on, yeah. on her headstone, which I think is always... Um, I think that's it's a really cool thing about living in in a place like Rochester. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I too am not a Rochester native, so I um, over time I've definitely just done some research. Like, where am I? Right? What what has yeah. happened here? Um, yeah. You know, what do things look like? Um, and you know, uh, you know, just speaking of Susan B. Anthony, I'm also just thinking on behalf of like race wars back in the day, yeah. right? Knowing that Rochester is one of the original kind of locations to push a lot of these, this work. And, Absolutely. you know, it's something that I, I definitely recommend to folks, right? Depending on the city or the, the town that you might be living in, do some research yeah. because it also plays into modern day. Like it plays into how we navigate Rochester yep. today, right? When we think about locations of towns and cities and population density or lack thereof, or, yes. um, you know, just all of these things. It's, it's just, it's very interesting and telling. Yeah. It's, it's sort of acknowledging that these are very much living issues. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking, we're, we're talking about history, but we're not just talking about the past. Yeah. In many ways, we're continuing to live that history and it's not possible to look at something and say, oh, this happened here a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, mm-hmm. but then it got better and things were great. You know, these are still things that, that are ongoing today. Yeah. And, and that attitude is something I think we see a lot of, right? Yeah. There's this notion of, you know, folks are stuck in the past. This this has happened before, you know, things are better now. And, oh, yes. you know, goes back to that notion of unlearning and learning. All right. And yep. thinking a little bit deeper about things. Um, I, I completely agree. Yeah. It's legacy, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, people are, are still very much affected by things that happened in the past. Yeah. And we need to acknowledge that. And we need to, as a society, address those things and find out ways to continue to move forward and continue to make things better. Yeah. And, and unfortunately it takes, um, huge life events for things to once again, be made a bit obvious, right? This goes back to COVID now and ways in which COVID has impacted women in the workforce, um, women in general, um, women of color, moms, right? So, um, you know, unfortunately it takes things like that to kind of recognize, oh, we, we are not where we thought we were. Um, Right. And it's so easily so easy to take these things away. Right. And and see the bigger picture. But it still exists. Things still exist. Um, And obviously we're working on it. Right. I don't want to create a a sad scene or a a scene where we're feeling down and out. There has been a lot of advancements. But yeah, absolutely. The issues still persist. We, We have experienced progress and we continue to live in a time of progress. And there's always more progress to be had. Yeah. When you think about the origin and foundation of um, we could talk about the United States. We can even make it a bit more narrow to specific like organizations and companies and all of these things. When there wasn't an intersectional approach in developing and building such long, fr- large frameworks, obviously it's going to take some time to now reinvent process, like reinvent how we navigate things, reinvent our mindset and how we even think about the people around us, think about ourselves. So things take time. Yeah, for sure. They absolutely do. And it doesn't mean that we should rest on our laurels and it doesn't mean that we should 
stop searching for the progress. Um, but yeah, they, they do take, take time sometimes. So uh, a little bit of a tangent, but you mentioned you're not from Rochester. Where, where are you originally from? I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, Brooklyn. Okay. That's yeah. very cool. What, what brought you to Rochester? <laughs> oh, seems like so long ago. Um, I came up to Rochester in 2014 for school. Okay. And it's been history ever since. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Nazareth. Oh, Nazareth. That's a great school. Yeah. Undergrad, grad, and I work there as well. Okay. I also came to Rochester for school. I, I went to, to Geneseo and um, just sort of stayed. And, you know, there are a lot of really great things about Rochester that um, I've always, always really loved. Can I ask, how have your experiences been in Rochester as opposed to uh, it being in Brooklyn? You know, in, especially in terms of your experience as as a woman in, say, a smaller city. That's a really good question. Um, I, I think about that a lot just my experiences in New York City compared to Rochester. And it's interesting because I don't think I really grew up until I got to Rochester. Um, I think about my time in Brooklyn, you know, although I visit frequently and all, I I spent just high school there. That was like my last kind of stepping stone. And, you know, when we think about New York City, it's a melting pot. Like you're surrounded with so many different folks. Um, usually it's also a large spot of affinity too. So my high school predominantly you know, black folks of color. Sure. And so I was comfortable there. So it was fine. I was, you know, I was okay. And comfort is fine to an extent, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about comfort and growth and lack thereof, right? So it was good. Um, But then I think about um, moving to Rochester and attending a predominantly white institution or college. And I think that's when life hit me. I think that's when I realized that um, the world looks different. Hmm. You know, New York City and the representation of New York City isn't the same everywhere. And I think that's when I became a lot more cognizant of my own like internal biases towards myself. And and I think this is an important thing for women to think a lot about because when we think about cycles of socialization and ways we've been kind of socialized in our life, when you think about being young, right, you're socialized by someone you love and you trust. Typically those are like your immediate family members or guardians or all of these things, and then it moves up. So when you get older, you get socialized by like media and friends and shopping malls and mannequins and all of these different things. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I realized that I also had a lot of perceptions of me and who I am and what does it mean to be a woman? Like I, mm-hmm. I realized a lot of um, what I thought about myself got like attacked as I experienced things yeah. on campus or as I experienced things in the general public. And so, you know, I just, when I think about transitioning to, to Rochester and to such a smaller town, it came with its difficulties navigating as like a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, a, a lot of growth came from it. I became a lot more cognizant of who I am. I, I shed a lot of perceptions about who I thought I was and who I thought I was supposed to be. And, you know, I embody just interest authentically, like I embodied learning authentically. Yeah. I just developed hunger in learning more about who I was and my history and, you know, what makes me different, understanding that I am different for a variety of reasons and it's okay to be. So a lot of acceptance goes into that and all of these different things. So it's it's a struggle and sometimes it still is, right? Yeah. It's definitely been a good transition, I think. Yeah. I think the change of location and and all of those things, I think, um, definitely helped, especially when we think about Women's History Month and empowering ourselves and all of that good stuff. 
I, I love hearing your story on that because it's one of the things about doing this podcast and having these conversations that has just been my, my favorite thing is it's, it's funny because it's sort of two complementary experiences. The first is identifying where we have things in common, right? So Mm -hmm. like your experience is, is your own and it's unique and it's different from mine. I'm not a woman, I'm not a person of color, but in some ways it does parallel my own experiences. Like I I moved, Rochester to me is the bigger area, right? So I grew up in (laughs) a very rural area in the South. I'm originally from upstate around Albany, but grew up in the South. And so coming to Rochester, it's like this, this bigger area. And for me coming into my identity as a gay person, you know, it in some ways parallels the experience that you had moving from a big city to a small city as a woman and as a person of color in ways that we might not find immediately obvious. You know, it was about me coming into my identity and accepting myself and, and, um, and looking at how am I different from the mainstream and the media and, you know, what's, what's out there, what are the, the popular depictions of, of people and, and who we are and who we should be. And so I love hearing your experience because not only do I get to identify, here are the, the cool pieces that sort of uh, are complementary to my own experience, but I also get to hear things that are completely different from my own experience. And I think that's, both of those things are equally important. You know, it's, it's nice for us to be able to draw commonalities, but it's also extremely important for us to listen to different experiences and hear and absorb those experiences and sort of weave them into the larger cultural fabric that we're all part of. Yeah. I, you know, I'm listening to your story and I'm definitely feeling the affinity here because when you realize you're different, it's rough. Yes. It's really, really rough. Like realizing there are things that are different about you. You may try to overcompensate. Like there's just a lot that there's a full identity crisis that happens. Yeah. Um, but then there's the beauty of like loving yes. that you're different. Like there's a beauty of finding out more about what makes you different and why you're different and yeah. the history of people that are different. And there's, I don't know, there's, there's a form of self-love that also just kind of, Heck yeah. you know, it, yeah, it just takes over and it becomes a lot more empowering and you navigate the world completely different. Yeah. So I, yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think lift, listening to each other, see, I would have never known this. Yeah. Right. About you and your journey. Right. Um, just from location and everything else. So it's important that we hear each other out and, um, you know, it's, it's always good to, to find interests that you would never think right on paper. Yeah. You would never assume, but there's, there's the, those shared living experiences and in, in other ways and facets that really do create a special kind of bond, I think. I totally agree. There's so many things about the world that seem to try to drive people apart mm-hmm. and learning about the things that bring us together is a really powerful thing. And learning to love the things that are different about yourself is a really great first step to learning the, to love the things that are different about other people. Yeah. Yeah. And you just mentioned, you know, um, being conditioned sometimes to poke and prod, right? Like find ways of, of which we're different in things, but it's because we don't talk. Yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes I, I think about conflicts, whether just modern day conflicts, larger societal conflicts, it's literally because we it's don't dialogue. talk. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And that applies to the micro level, you know, small interpersonal relationships and the macro level, big societal things. As yeah, well. for sure. I think that's a really powerful statement for us to kind of wrap up our conversation on as well. Um, but before we do, I want to make sure that we have the chance to discuss everything that that you really felt was important for today. Is there any any kind of final comments, closing comments that you have? 
I think my only closing comment is to those who, you know, identify as women. Obviously, we know that um, this fight for equity is, is beyond this month and beyond mm-hmm. this day. Certainly. Um, but definitely empowering you all to um, spend some time learning a lot about yourself, but also unlearning, redefining um, what the world looks like for you, redefining what you look like for you, um, and, and know that it's okay and it's a continual process. Um, and to just surround yourself with folks who support you, right, and 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 love you and care about you, especially when we think about these trying times and, um, you know, intersectionality of COVID and all of these things yeah. that are really impacting us in different ways. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for everyone out there, regardless of your gender identity, learn, ask questions and, and seek information because there's so much available out there and there's so many ways for you to be a better ally for yourself and for the people you love as well. Absolutely. You can be a trailblazer too. Everyone can. Ashley, again, I'm so glad to have you on this podcast. I think this is the second of many amazing conversations that we're going to have. Um, For our audience, we will have guests again at at some point, but Ashley is just such a a cool person to talk to that... um, I'll stop. uh, Yeah, (laughs) you are. You are. It was great. Um, But yeah, so so thanks to you for being here again today and, and moving forward. Thanks to our audience for, for always listening. Um, if you have any feedback about uh, this or any of our episodes, we always encourage you to reach out to either of us directly. Um, but otherwise, thanks so much for being here again with us. Um, thanks to Austin in the recording booth today. And thanks to Matt Hauk on editing. And uh, we will talk to you all again next month. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022. All rights reserved.